big reveal. <laughs> I got to take my mask off now. But hey, I'm glad you're here. For those of you in the room, and I am also glad for those of you who are joining us online. And I know many of you are still doing that, and we're happy that all of you are with us today. And uh, if you are a guest of ours in any of those places, we are one church literally in tons of locations right now, uh, living rooms all across Tampa Bay. But uh, let me add my voice to the Happy Father's Day. Uh, to those of you in the room or watching online that are dads, and uh, in our first service, I got to have my three little kiddos uh, with me, and so that was exciting. And, uh, you know, no matter where you are hearing my voice today, we have one Father. Aren't you glad for that? We have one Father. Scripture tells us we have one Spirit, one Lord, one Father who is all. And so no matter where we find ourselves, uh, God transcends that. And uh, we are so grateful for that. I want to put a couple things on your radar before I dive into the sermon today. And uh, with all, everything going on, and Carl mentioned the fluidity of like requirements and stuff, um, tons of stuff is going on. And next Sunday is actually the Messenger family's last Sunday with us. So I don't know how that affects your plans, but if you're watching online... Uh, just want you to be aware of that. And so we'll celebrate them and thank God for what he's done over the last five years uh, through their family in Florida. But uh, we're also really excited about where God's calling them, taking them. And so that's going to be great. But next Sunday is their last one. So if you want to, if you're going to be in person with us, we encourage you to bring a card, write a card. Uh, we've got the giving boxes by the doors. You don't have to touch anybody. Uh, to do that, but I know they'd love to hear from you. Give them a call, FaceTime, uh, something. I know, I know life is different at this point, but, uh, we want them to know that they're loved and, uh, that we're gonna miss them, but I look forward to seeing them again. So that, that's really important. I want that to be on everybody's radar for next Sunday. Okay. And then, of course, it is Father's Day. Happy Father's Day again to all of you. Uh, that are watching. Uh, you don't get a sermon today, dads, because I'm a dad and I'm giving myself off from having to preach a dad sermon uh, to the dads today. But uh, you're going to get a sermon nonetheless. But uh, let me pray for us as we get started. And ask the Holy Spirit to meet with us this morning. Let's pray together. God, thank you for your word. We pray, Holy Spirit, that in this moment you would Make yourself known, know you're everywhere, we want to see your manifest as Isaiah prayed, as the church saw in the New Testament. So pray that you would speak to us through the power of your word and that you would change us to be more like Jesus. To your name we pray, amen. All right, if you're taking notes today, I'm going to give you my title right off the top. I'm going to give you my title. Uh, it is the invitation to flourish. The invitation to flourish. You know, as we think about Father's Day and we think about uh, the doctrine that is justification by faith, that is perhaps the most important doctrine we have. But I think the most precious doctrine that we have is the doctrine of adoption. 
that not only is there a transaction that took place for you to be made right with God, but that it goes beyond that into this idea that we have a perfect heavenly. Now, not only did he make a way, but he wanted that he desired you, that he went to great lengths to adopt. And so maybe today you're sitting here or you're watching online and that's the word that you need to hear today is that you are wanted and that you are loved unconditionally by a good father who wants you to powerful thing. But as we come to the Sermon on the Mount, and we've been spending our summer there, and we've got some more weeks to go, I want to pick up right where Carl left off last week and use it as a springboard into chapter 6 where we're going to land today. But the invitation to flourish, if you're taking notes, and if you're not taking notes, uh, you should take notes. And uh, here's where we landed with the last verse of chapter 5, verse 48 last week. Jesus says this, You, therefore, lift up your voice and say, me. Not the person next to you, not your kid if you're at home. You. Listen to what Jesus says. You, therefore, must be perfect. Sit with that for a minute. Question. How's that going? It's not, right? Well, I I can't be perfect. You, therefore, must be perfect. Just as your heavenly Father, perfect. You must be perfect. What did Jesus have in mind when he's calling us to be perfect? There's a lot to consider here. But I want to give you, if you're writing things down, write these down, that there's three issues here from Jesus. Three things that when you read that statement, you must be perfect because your heavenly father is perfect that I think confront us right away. Three issues that we glean from this statement, this invitation to flourish that Jesus offers us. The first one is this. This is not possible without Christ's provision. You see, because as we've been trekking through the Sermon on the Mount, we are not divorcing this statement from what Jesus has already told us, right? Apart from Christ, John 15, 5, we can do nothing. So this invitation to be perfect is not possible without Christ. In fact, if you were to go back and look at this, Jesus had this conversation, and we looked at it several weeks ago, that Jesus looked at the Pharisees, and then he looked at this crowd of people on the hill in front of him, and he told them in this same sermon, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees, and they were perfect in that day, you'll never see the kingdom of heaven. And so what, what, are, what is the only thing better than the righteousness of the Pharisees? Jesus. 
right? Jesus is the only thing better than the best thing going in that day. So uh, the first thing that is super important is that you recognize that this is not even possible without Christ's provision. The second thing is this. This is not possible without the Holy Spirit's direction, right? You'll, you'll never do this without the Holy Spirit. We, we have the, the whole Godhead present in the fact that you are a child of God. God the Father in love sends His Son, His Son who died on the cross to make a way for you to be made right with Him. And the Scripture tells us that it's the Holy Spirit who seals you for the day of redemption. So you you literally need the whole Godhead to be for you for for this to even be possible. We want to lay that foundation, but here, here's where I want to land with you today on this number three. Where I want us to funnel into in this moment. Number three, it's not enough for that to be enough. Now, before you kick me out of the building, before you click to a different sermon online that's so easy to get to, before you dismiss me, let me explain that. Why is it not enough for Christ's provision and the Holy Spirit's direction not to be enough? Why is that not enough? It sounds pretty awesome. It sounds pretty good. Because here's where I think we we have to land, and particularly in this moment in our culture and in our land and in everything that's going on in the world and perhaps in your own life, is this Christ's provision leads to our participation. I even made it rhyme for you so you can remember it. Christ's provision leads to our participation. Think about it. Paul, writing to a church that was scattered in Ephesus, perhaps lays it out most clearly. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, 9, and 10 we get the, the full picture of what this looks like. Look at Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10. It is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of yourselves. You have nothing to do with it. It is, in fact, the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. We amen that all day long. And we should. We should. But why can I make a statement that it's not enough for that to be enough? Jesus is always enough. (laughs) But what is the point? Look at verse 10. It says, for we are God's handiwork. You were handmade by God for a specific purpose. Look at what it says. We're God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. You literally cannot be the person that God made you to be if Christ's provision never moves into your participation. You're not who God made you to be. So, This idea, if you're taking notes, of perfect is actually an invitation to wholeness. 
perfect as the invitation to wholeness. There's actually a lot of very good linguistic thought that's gone into this idea that, that this word perfect in our English translation falls a little bit short of all that Jesus had in mind. And it's a good translation and it's right and that's why it's in your Bible. But as often happens in the translation of a language, we we lose some of it because what Jesus is saying is that we're not only dealing with our need for grace and God's standard of perfection, but that grace and virtue are not enemies, right? Because when we when we go back and we look at this, we actually see that they complete each other. And as Paul described in Jesus preaches right here, what we see is that it's the beatitudes that are our way to flourishing. That it's actually in the place where Jesus is on the Sermon on the Mount that we are invited to be perfect and flourish like Jesus. We're not just dealing with the theological issue, but this command to be perfect is actually the invitation to flow. Because that word perfect can truly mean complete, to be whole. And everything we've looked at to this point lays into that, that we would flourish like, what's it say, like our heavenly Father. You know, I think about my sons who were here in the first service. You know, my two sons are always secure in my house. They are always secure in my love. There's nothing they could do that would get them removed from my family. I will always be their father. And one of them is adopted. And he will always be my son. But for my boys, I am always, though they are secure, calling them in and inviting them into something more because they've been created for something more than to just exist in my family. They have actually been, as the scripture says, created in Christ. Remember, God created us in his image and in his likeness. So they were created in Christ to do good works, which God prepared in advance for them to do. So, so this invitation to be perfect is our invitation to flourish. So on the Sermon on the Mount here with Jesus, it's not just a theoretical or theological exercise. It is those things, but it's also the invitation to be made whole. It's actually in this place that you will become Whole, because the Beatitudes is our way to flourish. And then the scripture says this, it says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. And so let me say it to you this way. If that's not true, if there's not more than just the provision, then we're actually worshiping different lords. We actually have different lords of our life. And here's why that matters, because maybe you're wondering today why we spent so much time talking about the issues in our current reality, issues like Black Lives Matter. Why, why have we spent so much time talking about that? Why do we give so much attention to that in the current reality? I want to explain that to you. Because the answer is, we have to. We have to. 
Because scripture says we must be perfect, which is complete. And then scripture goes so far as to say this, lacking nothing. Now listen, if you smash my ring finger, my toe is going to care. Because my toes aren't going to take me anywhere that I want to go until my finger feels better. Am I making sense? Am I making sense online? We all know what this is like because it's actually biblical. Because we cannot have shalom, we can't have peace, we can't be perfect, we can't be complete. If a body part is suffering. Why do I say that's biblical? Because in 1 Corinthians 12, 26, it says, if one member of the body suffers, we all suffer. It's only true if it's true. So why do we talk about those things? Not because we support some movement, but because we love people. That's why we talk about people. It's not just a slogan or a hashtag. It's people that are God's children. And so we must, maybe one of the best pictures of it in line with what we're talking about is in Luke chapter 10, the story of the Good Samaritan, right? Some uh, guys laying in the ditch on the side of the road and two religious guys come up, they, they take a look and they pass by on the other side. The perfect people. And then here comes a, a Samaritan, a, a half-breed, somebody who you wouldn't want taking care of you, comes up, sees the person, takes care of them. Not only takes care of them, but then he goes and he pays for them. So, so he doesn't just rescue them, he actually goes and he provides for them. More on that in a minute. So we take our theology our Christian ethic, and we move to the invitation to flourish and to work out our salvation as Scripture called to us. And what's the result of that? We're actually refreshed by it, actually motivated by it. So we do the good work we were created for. That means drawing near to the broken. And so all of that to say, we must love, right? Because the scripture says it this way in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, that there's a lot of good virtues. Faith, hope, and love remain, but it goes farther than that, doesn't it? It says the greatest of these is love. The greatest is love. And, and, and here's... Something for us to keep in mind. It doesn't say we love if we agree with every, does it? Not what it says. It doesn't say love if you agree. It just says love. In fact, Jesus is going to tell us, like we learned last week, to love our enemies. It's altogether different because it comes from an altogether different place. It's not about what we think. It's about what Jesus said. So we must love. Now, Briefly to round this out, I say all that to come to our next part of Jesus' sermon here in chapter 6, verse 1 to 4. Because Jesus lays it out perfectly, doesn't he? Because one of the things I wrestled with all week was, 
Why do we come out of this be perfect, be complete, lack nothing, wholeness, peace? How do we get from that to Jesus talking about giving? Where's that leap? Because look at, look at uh, Matthew 6, 1 through 4. It says this, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. And then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give, what a leap. When you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Why did we make that leap? Why did we go from be perfect as your heavenly Father is imperfect to don't let your left hand know that your right hand is giving money to How does love so often evidence itself? Generosity, doesn't it? Perhaps you'll remember the words of Jesus when he said, it's where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. That's why Jesus makes this leap. Can I say it to you this way in the 21st century, United States of America, if your heart's in it, then your wallet will be. Powerful thing Jesus is saying. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Be perfect, lack nothing. Just as your heavenly father is perfect. The invitation flourish. And listen, there is such a practical way for us to move forward in that. Let me just give you three things that you can do in regards to this, this practical way of moving towards flourishing. And the first one is to listen. To listen. Scripture is very clear that we need to be quick to listen, slow to speak, Second is lament. We talked about that on one of our midweeks. Lament that that I, I I think it could be true of every movement in Scripture that it it was born out of repentance. It was born out of listening and learning and lamenting where we've fallen short. Scripture is chock full of that. But then that leads to love. And that brings us full circle to where we started. That God's provision for you is going to lead you into your participation in the future. That he chooses to use the body of Christ to bring his will to earth as it is in heaven. That his kingdom would come through you and me. The practical way is that we would listen and lament and then love. And there's so many practical steps to that. But it's only true if it's true. It's never more true than when we look at our spending habits. You know, I think about, you know, why 
Father's Day, I think about why I teach my kids to give money to the church and enough so that it's sacrificial, so that, you know, I have to look at them and say, we're not going to get that Xbox game because we're going to give to the church. We're not going to, we're not going to do this because we're going to do something for our neighbor. We're not going to do this because we're going to give to this organization that's making a difference in the lives of people who are suffering. Like, why, why do I do any of that? Because it's only true if it's true. And what my kids see in me is not just my words, but what I do. My participation in the future. Just a quick example from, from the church perspective is I got an update just this past week from the Post family, our, our the missionaries we support in Ethiopia. And uh, Trent is the guy and he is one of the elders at his church. And so through that ministry, they have been uh, a big part of feeding people in the midst of this pandemic in Ethiopia. And so COVID has hit them too and their third world country. And so... Um, they have been a huge part of feeding. And so they've actually been invited onto, uh, I'm going to call it a task force because that's, that's the language we know, uh, of in Ethiopia to take care of people all across their city. And, and here's what's cool about that. You and I will never be on that task force. But we support them every month. And so they couldn't do what they do if we don't do what we do. And that's one example of many. Because as soon as you walk outside these doors, or as soon as you go to work tomorrow, or whatever it is, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. And so Jesus is inviting you into the way to flourish. And it begins with Christ's provision. It begins with Jesus. He is our vision. Here's the deal. When grace comes in, always good. You are the way that Jesus chooses to work. And so I want to land here. Kevin's going to come up. He's just going to play for a little bit before we finish. And I'm going to put a slide up that has a blank. And, and I want every one of us to, to fill in the blank. What is your next step? Maybe it has to do with the things that are going on in our world right now. Maybe it's a sin struggle that you have in your life that you've just never dealt with. But all of us has something that the Holy Spirit is going to use in us that, that we must address because we must love. And if God's grace has come in, and, and, and here's where I want that to get real for all of us, whether you're watching online or whether you're in the room. Where I think that needs to get real is you need to write it down so that you can see it, so that you can be honest with yourself. And then I want you to tell somebody. Accountability gets a bad rap in the church because it's normally normally surrounded by law, like shape up. That's not, that's not what biblical accountability is. Biblical accountability is sharing, share each other, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. It's not about shape up. It's about being transformed into the image of God by a loving Father. So I want you to write it down so you'll get honest with yourself. But then I want you to tell somebody else. 
Can I suggest that it be your city group leader? That you would tell somebody, don't sit and wait. Let's get about the good works that God has prepared in advance for us to do. This is flourishing. Fully secure in Christ. Participating in the future that he has for this earth. Kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. That's shit. It's not about pleasing anybody else. It's about getting an audience of one with the Lord. Stepping into that. So let me pray for you. And then if I'm not going to pass buckets or anything, but there's ways that you can give at the doors on your way out. That's your next step. You can do it online if you're watching online. Continue to support what God's doing. We want to thank you for being here. I encourage you to have a great week of worship to be the church. So let me pray for you and then we'll be dismissed. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your goodness. That on this Father's Day, we have a loving Father. That you loved us, sent your Son for us, so that we might be adopted into your family, that you made a way for us to be made right with you. As a result, we can turn and look at our neighbors and love them, love ourselves. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray in this moment that you would reveal our next step to every one of us, that we would get about doing the things that you've called us to do, not because we have to, but because we get the praise of Jesus in the church. So we love you. Thank you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.